This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.35 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wang Xiaoning and Chong Jensen. In half an hour at 8 a.m., we have The Breakfast Grill. Who's in the hot seat today, Jensen? So in the hot seat today is Charles Frum, and he's Managing Director of Volvo Malaysia. And analysts have described the Volvo Geely merger as one of the most successful in a decade. They actually went for an IPO in 2021, that's Volvo, and it was seen as an instrumental uh, event to help it realise its global goal of being fully electric by 2030. The IPO has done actually very well, very well, it's more than doubled since 2021. And in Malaysia, Volvo Car Malaysia has delivered about 3,200 vehicles last year, which is a growth of more than 40% from 2021. Uh, They have two fully electric vehicles now, the XC40 and the C40, and sales for both have done really well. All right. Interesting. Tune into that conversation after the 8 a.m. news bulletin to find out more about how Volvo is, uh, you know, planning to achieve that 2030 target. Um, We are turning our attention now, though, to the Middle East. Um, Tensions are flaring between Palestine and Israel following a raid by the Israeli military last Thursday in the town of Jenin in the occupied West Bank. Israel described the raid as an anti-terrorism exercise, which resulted in 10 Palestinians killed. It was the single deadliest raid in the territory in two decades. Now, the violence in Jenin has sparked widespread Palestinian protests and counter-attacks in Jerusalem, including a shooting at the synagogue by a Palestinian gunman that killed seven Israelis that took place on Holocaust Memorial Day. In the aftermath of the Jenin raid, the Palestinian National Authority withdrew its security cooperation with Israel. Meanwhile, Israelis uh, Israel's security cabinet signaled plans to relax gun laws and demolish the homes of, to quote, families of terrorists that support terrorism. So will this latest surge of violence become a prelude to another uprising in Palestine? And can the visit of U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken to the Middle East cool escalating tensions? To better understand what's happening, we speak to Dr. James Dorsey, adjunct senior fellow at the S. Rajaratnam School of International Studies. James, good morning. Now, given the far-right leanings of the current Benjamin Netanyahu government, do you foresee an inevitable escalation of violence? What could be the extent of the security's crackdown by the Israeli state? Well, what I think we're seeing is fundamentally a shift on both sides. Uh, on the Israeli side, obviously, a much more hardline Israeli government that believes that uh, curtailing of whatever rights Palestinians already have uh, and uh, collective punishment will uh, intimidate the Palestinians and quell uh, whatever whatever they are trying to do. Mm. But on the other hand, what we're also seeing is a radicalization, uh, not in the sense of radicalization that we've seen with terrorism, but a radicalization among Palestinian youth mm. who no longer clearly have any confidence in the approach of the Palestinian Authority, which is to engage with Israel and to acquiesce Israel, and in the hope that then Israel will be more um, amenable to Palestinian national aspirations. And uh, that new Palestinian youth is essentially using armed conflict. And that is centered uh, in the uh, the refugee camp in Jenin. And that's why you're, you're, so it's that interaction of the two That is, um, that is at the root of the uh, of the escalation. 
And James, from the Palestinian perspective, do you think we're on the cusp of a third intifada? Well, time will tell. What I think we're seeing is uh, what I what I just mentioned, uh, armed confrontation. Mm. Uh, and if you look at these confrontations in the uh, in the Janine uh, refugee camp, the, Palest the Palestinian youth are putting up quite a fight. The Israelis obviously have overwhelming force, both in terms of numbers, as in well as in terms of the equipment that they can employ. And if you look at what happened in uh, Janine last week, it was resolved when you fired an anti-tank missile at a house. But in terms of one-on-one -on -one fighting, Palestinians are standing their ground. James, um, we hear that uh, Israel's government is does have plans to relax gun laws um, for Israelis. Will that just further fuel, I guess, conflict, um, more instances of conflict? I think, without doubt, first of all, look at the United States and see what gun ownership does. Um, you know, there's no reason why it wouldn't do that in a much more conflictuous situation like uh, on the West Bank. Uh, and you, of course, have had uh, repeatedly attacks by settlers on the West Bank who are armed uh, against Palestinian civilian targets. So the likelihood that putting more weapons on the streets and encouraging people to carry their weapons with them when they go out of their homes uh, is, does not bode well. Okay, James, at the same time, U.S. top diplomat Antony Blinken is in the Middle East for talks with Egypt, Israel and Palestine. How much leverage does the U.S. really have on these parties to de-escalate tensions? I think the question is twofold. How much leverage does it have and how much leverage does it want to exercise? I think what we've seen uh, during the Blinken visit yesterday is that at least publicly, Blinken is not willing to uh, to use whatever U.S. leverage it has. Uh, it Blinken condemned the um, Palestinian attack on um, worshippers at a synagogue as well as on a father and son, but made no mention of what ha what's happening on the West Bank at checkpoints where Palestinians are getting killed, the incident in Janine last week. Uh, what's clear, I, I, what's, I think the position of the United States is simply that they do not see any chance at this moment for a process that would uh, reduce the tensions and lead to a definitive solution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And so what they're trying to do is calm um, the tensions, and they're trying to calm those tensions, but uh, per, uh, particularly by trying to persuade the Israelis to be mm. slightly less harsh. Mm. James, do you think that um, the U.S. is is kind of hampered by the polarization that's going on um, within the country at the moment? I mean, in terms, because we know that Republicans um, very strongly favor uh, the government of Benjamin Netanyahu. Is that, uh, I guess, a consideration in terms of how um, they are acting in this sense? I doubt it. Uh, I mean, there's there's bi uh, bipartisan support in the United States for um, for Israel. Keep in mind that that support is goes far beyond uh, an American Jewish community. If anything, the American Jewish community may be even more critical of uh, the new Netanyahu government. It's a support of the evangelist community, which 
roughly is 100 million people. Those are, those are real voters. And both uh, Republicans and Democrats have to take that into account. Mm. And James, on the domestic front, the Israeli government has proposed judicial reforms that critics say will undermine the country's democracy. What's the likelihood of these changes being pushed through at a time of heightened security concerns in the country? I'm not sure that the two are intrinsically related. With other words, uh, I think the, uh, the Netanyahu government clearly has a majority in parliament and is uh, uh, able to push this through in, in, in the Knesset. Uh, and they're going to do that irrespective of what is happening on the Palestinian front and on the West Bank. Um, I suppose, would the security concerns, though, make public uh, perception or public more acceptable to this? Because we have initially seen uh, a lot of protests uh, against these judicial reforms. Would security concerns change public opinion? Uh, I don't think that we've seen that. And again, I, I really am not convinced that there is a relationship between the two. Mm. Uh, the attack in Jenin was on Thursday. The attack on the uh, Israeli worshippers was on Friday. On sun Sunday, you had at least 100,000 people in the streets of Tel Aviv protesting against the judicial reform. Mm. And if you wanted to go back in history, in 1982, you had a war in Lebanon. Yet after the massacre in Sabra and Shatila, you had hundreds of thousands of people on the streets of Israel leading to the fall of the uh, the begging government. Uh, so I don't know that concerns are going to influence it. So just a question on Netanyahu then, James. How strong is his government? Uh, strong. Stronger probably than any government in the last two years. Uh, again, uh, what is strong? Uh, he has a majority of 64, uh, or, or, he has 64 seats in 120 seats parliamentary assembly. Uh, in the past, it was, uh, in the last two years, it was 61 seats. Mm -hmm. Now, three seats may not be enough, may not be much, but it certainly is sufficient. So does this mean that the government will continuously tilt to the right to cater to the, to the demands of the ultra-nationalists? Sort of a question of, is it the uh, tail wagging the dog or the dog <laughs> wagging the tail? So, with other words, is Netanyahu in charge as he's uh, claims, and is he going to be the benchmark who keeps the far right and the ultra conservative religious parties uh, in line, or are they going to force his hand? So far, in some ways, the balance is mixed. With other words, what you have not seen uh, in the last few days is a response to the attack on the Israeli worshippers with a massive military response. Mm. It's been a response. In, in, in measures of collective punishment, uh, more uh, individual arms on the street, crackdowns on prisoners, uh, Palestinian prisoners in Israeli prisons. But it hasn't been a military operation as such, even though the Israelis have moved more troops into the West Bank. I really fear that uh, it's just a question of yet, James, uh, but we'll be watching this uh, as the situation unfolds. Thank you very much for speaking to us today. That was Dr. James Dorsey, adjunct senior fellow at the S. Rajaratnam School of International Studies, helping us better understand um, the current flaring of tensions in Palestine and Israel at the moment. Um, I think uh, clearly a long-standing issue that remains unresolved after many, many, many decades. 7.47 in the morning, we're heading into some messages, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at 
another geographical re- location down south in Singapore. We'll discuss the outcome of Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim's maiden trip there as Prime Minister. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.